2 Kings 22 and 23, an incredible event happened. And I thought God really laid this on my heart to share this the very first weekend of the new year. Um, so 2 Kings chapter 23 verse 3 says this, And the king stood by the pillar and made a covenant before the Lord to walk after the Lord and to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all his heart and with all his soul. That's what a covenant is. <coughs> a covenant is way beyond a promise. A covenant is something, it's a, it's a promise but with conditions attached uh, many times. Some covenants, you don't have conditions attached but many you do. The bottom line is we're making a promise to God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind to perform the words of this covenant that were written in this book and all the people joined in the covenant. This is King Josiah, one of the most momentous times in the history of the nation of Israel because he found something incredible. He actually, can you believe they lost the word of God in the temple for centuries or for a long time anyway and this was where it was restored and the people joined in the covenant. Lord, as we open this passage up this morning, I pray that you'll speak to our hearts. Because in 2023, we want to be a people who join in covenant with the Lord to reach our nation for Jesus. And we ask this in Jesus' name. You know, this week, many people will make a New Year's resolution. It's a, it's a, promise, or a promise or a covenant, if you like. That, but stats say that 85 or 88% of New Year's resolution will be broken within weeks. How many of you have ever made a New Year's resolution? How many of you have broken it? That's like almost 100%, I would imagine. Reforming our bad behaviour is not an easy task. It's not, not easy for us as people. It's not easy for nations or churches or anybody else. So I want to speak this morning on reformation because we don't need a New Year's resolution. We need a New Year's reformation, don't we? Now, if I say reformation, many of you will think of these guys here. Do you recognise them? Some of you do. Some of you couldn't care less. <clears throat> but let me tell you, according to dictionary.com, reformation is this, the action or process of reforming an institution or person that is, and I quote, relinquishing immoral, criminal or self-destructive lifestyle and making changes to improve it. That's what reformation is. When you let go of an old destructive lifestyle and you take on a new one. This, the reformation is specifically applied to a period of time when these guys were involved. Uh, brave men like John Huss in Bohemia, John Calvin and uh, Ulrich Zwingli in Switzerland and especially Martin Luther in Germany took on an immoral, self-centred, lifeless Roman Catholic Church at the time. They changed things forever, forming a new movement of those who were protesting or opposed to the practices of the Roman Church at that time. That's why we're called Protestants or Protestants. Did you always wonder why we're called Protestants? That's why we were protesting the state of the Roman Catholic Church. In the early 1500s, the Catholic Church had degraded into a godless, idolatrous, lifeless institution needing reform. Now, Martin Luther actually visited Rome and he, he, he found out that the church it was, it was building this beautiful big thing called St. Peter's Basilica. I don't know if you've been there. We were there not so long ago. It's this beautiful big church. It's stone and it's lifeless, but it's a very big, very impressive church thing. Um, and they were building it, but Martin Luther found out that they were paying for this building by extorting it out of the common folk. 
Right around the Roman Catholic world at that time, they had something called indulgences. And indulgence was, they, they come to you and they'd say, <clears throat> for someone you love who's died, they're probably in purgatory, which is between heaven and hell. But if you pay me a certain amount of money, I'll make sure their soul flies up into heaven. That's what was going on at the time. Martin Luther discovered that and he was disgusted. That's how they were paying for all this opulence you even today can see in the Vatican in Rome. By, by, by extorting it out of people with a lie because that's not true. It's not what the Bible says. The Bible does not say you can pay to get your loved one's souls out of purgatory. It doesn't say it. It says that if you, if you believe in Jesus Christ, confess him with your mouth and believe with your heart, you will be saved. But that's not a very good money earner. So they turned it around a little bit. And Martin Luther got upset about it. And so what he did was he took, he wrote out 99 ideas called the 99 Thesis and he nailed it to the church door at Wittenberg in Germany. He thought it would start a debate. It went way beyond that. It started a revolution. In fact, it started a reformation where people said, yeah, wait a minute, hang on. He's got a point here. And so he nailed those to the door of the Wittenberg church and that's what started reformation. Some of us are in this, you know, we're a bit like the, the old church at that time. You know, we're going through the motions, the religious motions. I'm telling you, 2023 is a great year to stop going through the motions and get real with God. Right, this, there's no time like the present. <clears throat> this is a great year to do it. So I want to talk today about New Year's, not resolution, but reformation. And to look at this, I want to go right back to 2 Kings 23 and 22, to King Josiah. Now, Josiah had come to the throne of Judah, and the nation was a mess. So it's a little bit of history here for you again. His father was Manasseh, one of the most evil kings to ever sit on the throne of Judah. And Manasseh had instituted idol worship, Asherah poles, Baal temples. He'd even done child sacrifice. Now, that's what they when, when they talk about how evil the Canaanites were, sacrificing children was part of their ideology. They used to burn them in the flames. And God was, God was completely forgotten by the nation at that time. This nation did not look anything like the nation that had come into the land. They'd forgotten God. They pushed him out. It would take radical surgery to see Reformation. So today I want to examine how Josiah saw Reformation in his whole nation and ask the question, can we not see Reformation in our lives, in our church and in our city and in our nation as well? How did he do it? Well, first of all, he had a commitment to repair. So coming to the throne, he came, Josiah came to the throne as, a, a, as an eight-year-old boy. But at 18 years of age, <coughs> King Josiah realized it was time to spring clean the house of God. And he started with the decision to rebuild the temple. The temple was run down. And so in 2 Kings 22 verse 5, it says this, Let it be given to the hand of the workmen who have the oversight of the house of the Lord. Let them give it to the workmen who are at the house of the Lord repairing the house so Josiah realized that the house of God was run down it was neglected it was full of rubbish and idols and stuff so he thought I'm going to clean this out and we're going to repair it and we're going to make it new any hope we have of reforming our lives has to start with the decision in our hearts to clean things out and to repair what's broke so let me ask you a question pause for a moment look at your life is there any part of your life that is in disrepair any sin that needs rep repenting of, any relationship that's strained or severed? Is there an idol in your life? 
we tend not to have Buddhas and that sort of stuff in the corner. But make no mistake, we have our idols. Many of us, we have idols like cars, houses, jobs, kids, toys. Anything else we worship that is not God is an idol. So what about you? Have you got idols in your life? Colossians 3 verse 5, Paul writes this, Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. So it's easy to look at other nations and say, well, they've got idols and we haven't. We have idols. We even have a TV show called Australian Idol. You know, I mean, how much more blatant can we get? They even spell it out to you. So is your relationship with the Lord, as we come into this new year, is your relationship with God on fire? Or is it frayed at the edges? After a period of Christmas indulgence, maybe it's time to rebuild the temple of God in our lives. So he was committed to that. The second thing, he was committed to change. During the building process that Josiah prioritized, something remarkable happened. They were building the temple and they found a book. In fact, they found the book. If you look at 2 Kings 22 verse 10, this is amazing. I mean, this is the people of God had lost the word of God in their own temple. How bizarre is that? It says this, verse 10, Then Shaphan, the secretary, told the king, Hilkiah, the priest, has given me a book. And Shaphan read it before the king. When the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his clothes. <coughs> What's that about? Tearing of clothes is a sign of grief, shame, and repentance. The king wanted to demonstrate that he was absolutely disgusted that the people of God had lost the word of God in their own temple. And so he, he ripped his clothes. See, that's the impact of God's word. God's word demands a response from those who hear it. And the scriptures call us to repent and align our lives with God's standards. So let me ask you, at the start of the new year, 2023, are you reading the word of God every day? Because if you're not, you're missing out on the greatest key to your spiritual walk there is. And I know many of us say, well, I'm just too busy to read the Bible. But you're not too busy to watch TV. And you're not too busy to get on the internet or Facebook. So I want to encourage you strongly to pick up the Word of God and read it. Where do I start? Funny you should ask. Our app has a Bible reading plan on it. I'll try and see if we can get some copies of this for next week in, in hard copy form. But what we want to do is, is collectively read the Word of God together. And if you have a, a, a pattern to do it, it's just much easier. So if I get a day or two behind, I've got to catch up. And it makes me stay on target. A reading plan helps, to, helps you to stay on target. But however you're doing it, you need to read the Word of God every day because God's Word has power. It's living and active. So you shouldn't simply <coughs> read it and think it's information about ancient times. You can read the Word of God and expect a personal encounter with God every time you read it. This happens to me so often where I read the Word of God and something in my day there's a passage there at the start of my day that helps to guide and lead me later on in my day when something happens. I remember a couple of weeks ago, I was uh, meeting with someone and uh, I had a quiet time in the morning and something came out of my quiet time, I forget where it was, but I thought, well, that, that doesn't really relate to me. I wonder why, why did I read that? Anyway, it seemed to jump out of the page at me, but I thought, oh, well, that's a bit weird. It doesn't really apply to me. When I went in to meet with this particular person, it really applied to them. So God can give you, can speak to you, can give you guidance and lead you from his word. 
Josiah was so impacted by the discovery of the book of the law, which is likely the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, that he immediately committed to change, to get rid of what he knew was wrong or evil and replace it with what was right and pure. That's true reformation. You get rid of the bad stuff and put good stuff in. So today, 2023, I'm calling you to make the same commitment. The commitment to spring clean your life at the start of the year, get rid of the wrong and build on the right. Is anyone with me? I actually hope to do that this week with my clothes. <coughs> if you ever spring clean clothes, it's really hard because you've got this old T-shirt with holes in it, but it holds so many memories. I can't throw that out. And my wife is, she's just, man, she's tough, I'll tell you. Um, she's really tough. She says, take a photo and throw the object. <laughs> and she's right. Don't, don't record that, please, but she's right. <coughs> when we spring clean, we get rid of the old run-down stuff. See, what we normally do is we keep buying new clothes, but we don't get rid of the old ones. Am I right? How many of you have a closet full of old clothes you've never worn for the last, say, six months or a year? Yes. And let's not even talk about shoes, ladies. The preacher, Darren, yeah, there you go. Well, today I'm calling you to make the same commitment, that you will clean out the, the stuff out of your life and commit to the new things, uh, even if it's painful. And sometimes it is really painful, isn't it? But it's a necessary thing. That's why Psalm 51 verse 10 says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Renew a right spirit within me. Create in me a clean heart, get rid of the old, and renew a right spirit within me. That's reformation. The third thing he committed to was a commitment to purity. See, Josiah made a commitment to purify his nation from idolatry, getting rid of the old evil ways. It's a big call, but it's a necessary call. 2 Kings <coughs> 23 verse 4 says this, And the king commanded Hilkiah, to bring out of the temple of the Lord, to, listen, to bring out of the temple of the Lord. Listen to the things that were in the temple of the Lord at the time. To bring out of the temple of the Lord all the vessels made for Baal, for Asherah, for all of the hosts of heaven. Josiah took them all and he burned them in Jerusalem in the fields of Kidron and carried the ashes to Bethel. I mean, that's radical to take all the stuff out of the temple that doesn't agree with God and to burn it publicly. That's what he did. Josiah knew that, uh, that anything other than a radical commitment to purity would not be enough. He had to commit to getting rid of that stuff. Hebrews 12 verse 14 says, Strive for peace with everyone and, without, for without, and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. If we think that we can dabble in sin and compromise our Christian walk and expect God's blessing, we are kidding ourselves. We really are. If you want to experience true reformation this year, you have to start out by clearing out sin. And listen, when it comes to sin, we're not called to tolerate it. We're called to confess it, repent of it, and obediently cease doing it. So if you are in <coughs> currently a sinful situation at work, at home, on the TV, on the internet, you have to confess and clear that out. You cannot dabble with it and expect God to bless you. 1 John 1 9 says, If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So listen, don't put up with sin in your life. 
put it out it'll require action it might mean severing a relationship behaving differently in business hanging out with different people but we have to be radical about removing sin from our life i mean folks we really need to get serious about this what requires what what radical uh, surgery do you require for your reformation in 2023 do you need to move away from some friends you know bad company corrupts good character the bible says and some of you may need to to not hang out with certain people because you're not strong enough to resist the path down which they take you it might mean moving out of a situation stop visiting certain websites stop committing certain habits <coughs> you know that seem ingrained I'm calling you this year to radical purity. 2 Corinthians 7 says this, Since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of the Lord. It's the same thing all the way through. God's into reformation. He loves it. When you get rid of the old and you bring in the new. The fourth thing is a commitment to see it through no matter what. It's one thing to make a decision, we see it every, every week here at Ignite, I'll ask you a question, and people make decisions, they make commitments. But that's one thing. You can make a commitment or resolution for 2023, but it means nothing unless you see it through. Hebrews 12.1 says, Since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so tightly, and let us run with endurance the race prepared for us. We have to run with endurance, folks. You can't just make a decision at the start of the year and do nothing else because your, your, your decision will come to naught. Endurance in the Greek is the word hopomone, which means a characteristic of a person not swerving from his deliberate purpose and his loyalty to faith and piety, even by the greatest trials or sufferings. That's from uh, the dictionary. So it's, it's seeing it through no matter what. So you say, well, what's this a picture of here? What's it look like? It's ships burning. When Hernando Cortes, the great Spanish explorer, arrived by ships on the beach at Veracruz in Mexico in 1590, he faced a daunting challenge. <coughs> he faced conquering the barbaric Aztecs. Now, the Aztecs were pretty nasty people, weren't they? They're very nasty people. Countless Mexican tribes had already experienced incredible cruelty and inhumane deaths at the hands of the Aztecs. So this, I'm not talking about Billy Thorpe and the Aztecs, I'm talking about the Aztecs back in the day in Mexico. So Cortes thought, how can I motivate my hundreds of men to be brave? How could I avoid their insurrection and their rebellion? So the action Cortes took is staggering. He sank the ships that they came out from Spain with. He sank them right there in the harbour. So the, for the men, only two choices remained, to be victorious or die. There was no going back. That's pretty radical, don't you think? King Josiah faced a similar challenge, equally formidable. Since the days of King Solomon nearly 300 years earlier, the Israelites had wrestled with idolatry and given in to sin. They worshipped false gods and the worship came to complete with temple prostitution, child sacrifice and other forms of evil. How could Josiah lead his people out of their bondage to, to, their bondage to immorality and, and false gods and into freedom that he can have in God? As we've seen, he started by cleaning out the temple, found the book of the law, cleansed the temple and the whole nation. But what next? Idiah, oh, sorry, Josiah did effectively what Cortez did. 
he burned the ships. He called the people to commitment and he went out and he ruined every site he could that was symbolizing uh, the evil regime. It was the equivalent of Cortez's action. He ordered the destruction of idols, pagan altars, living quarters of temple prostitutes, the lot. And Josiah removed all the visible temptations that might entice people back into idol worship. So remember today, we still wrestle with idols. Idols is not just something that's over there in, in Thailand or something. We have our own idols here. Materialism, greed, pornography, sexual immorality. How do we overcome these enemies? The first course is we need to renew our commitment to God. But if, we, if that's all we do, then we might change for a week, but we won't properly change. We have to sink the ships, folks. We have to sink the ships so there is no going back. We can destroy our tendency towards materialism by simplifying our lives and not concentrating on that and avoiding big boy toys and that sort of stuff. We can ask God to give us a different attitude to money and wealth. We can have a different way of measuring success. We can remove visible temptations that, that draw us in, that tempt us. So let me ask you, in 2023, what ships do you need to sink today? What do you need to sink so there is no going back I'm calling you at the start of 2023 to join me and make a decision for radical change. That we will turn our eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and that the things of earth will grow strangely dim. Father, I'd like them so dim I can't see them. Maybe chuck them out entirely. But it starts with a radical commitment. Sinking your ships, closing the way back entirely on sin. You see, folks... Our reformation starts here. It says in 2 Kings 23, 24, Josiah put away the mediums and the necromancers and the household gods and the idols and all the abominations that were in the land of Judah and in Jerusalem that he might establish the words of the law that were written in the book that Hilkiah the priest found in the house of God. He said, I'm going to chuck all this stuff out, all this necromancy and all this, all this pagan stuff. I'm going to chuck it all out and I'm going to focus on the word of God that Hilkiah found in the temple. True reformation is one of the most powerful, exciting, life-changing experiences any person can have. But it's not just floating around making vague commitments. It's not just a piece of history, Martin Luther versus the Roman Catholic Church. It is for every individual here today. Maybe it's about time we nailed our colors to the mast, our 99 thesis to the door. So how do we start? Let me finish with this. How do we start New Year's Reformation in our lives, in our families, in our church, in our nation? Well, number one, as we've seen, commit to change. Nothing will change unless we commit to change. And I'm asking you to join me this morning. And, and, and this morning we will make a New Year's Reformation. That we are going to, it requires radical commitment, not half-hearted vague promises that we break a week later. This is us saying, we will do this. Jesus said in Luke 9, no one puts his hand to the plough and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Solomon prayed for us uh, his prayer in 1 Kings 8. says this, let your heart therefore be wholly true to the Lord our God, walking in his statutes, keeping his commandments as, it, uh, as at this day. So will you commit with me this morning to making a stand and saying enough? The 2023 is going to be different because we are making a decision to change, to reform for reformation. 
The second thing is to repent of your sin. Peter challenges us. Acts 3.19, repent therefore and turn back that your sins may be blotted out. If we want to see true reformation and our lives need it and our families need it and our nation desperately needs it, then the cost of reformation hasn't changed. People say, how do we get, how do we get revival in our, in, our, in our country? We pray for revival in Australia all the time, don't we? We want to see revival in our nation. How do we get it? What's the steps that we do? <coughs> the cost of, ref, of reformation or revival in a nation has not changed. In 2 Chronicles 7.14, it's the same cost. If my people who are called by my name, will what? Will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will forgive their sin and will hear from heaven and I will heal their land. Our land will not be healed if we hang on to our sin. Our land will not be transformed if we hang on to the things that are gripping us right now. But if we make a radical decision to cut that off now, then we can pray and believe for God to reform our nation. It's not just about you or your family. It's about our whole nation. The third thing is to radically remove sin. We're not radical enough with sin, are we? We put up with it. Repentance is a moment, but long-term reformation requires radical removal of sin. Not just, not just a small bit, not just a dabble. But Josiah said, I'm going to get rid of the lot. And he cut things down and burned them. So don't flirt with sin. Don't overlook it. And don't tolerate it. Whatever you do, don't tolerate it. Jesus was pretty serious about sin. Would you say that? Because he was asked this question, you know, how, how serious is sin? Listen to what he answered in Matthew 5. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than your whole body gets thrown into hell. That's how serious Jesus was. Now, as an optometrist, I can't recommend pulling your eye out. Um, but that's radical. I had one of my patients one day, he came in, he, he was seeing some flashes of light in his eyes. And I looked in his eyes and what was previously a flat mole had turned into a malignant melanoma. And they rushed him into hospital. In two days, they removed that eye from his, from his body. Saved his life. But it required radical surgery. You couldn't sit around and say, well, I hope it gets better. It's a malignant melanoma. Well, I hope, you know, we'll just, we'll just you know cruise along and you know maybe it'll just spontaneously get better no it was a life and death situation they removed the eye and that's what jesus is saying we should be that serious about sin we should be saying to people i'm not going to dabble in this i'm not going to mess with this stuff i'm not going to tolerate it. i'm going to remove it because that's the start of reformation so obviously to jesus sin's a really big deal got to remember temptation is not sin it's when you act on the temptation, it becomes sin. Remember, Jesus was tempted in Hebrews 4, 15, uh, verse 15. It says, One who's been in every respect tempted, uh, tempted as we were, yet is without sin. And James reminds us in James 1, Let no one say he is being tempted. When he is being tempted, I am being tempted by God. Never say God's tempting you, because he's not. God does not tempt you. James says it. Let no one say when he's tempted, I'm being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. We are sinful creatures and we have this desire within us. 
And we have to do something radical to get rid of it. Let me be clear. If you are struggling with a sin in your life, it's time to take a radical stand against it. If it's a friend who leads you into sin, stop hanging out with them. If it's a website, avoid it. If it's, <coughs> if it's a book or a TV show, never watch it again. Whatever it is that's bringing sin into your life, we've got to be radical about removing it. People sometimes think they can, they, they can keep going and see if they can stand up to the temptation. I love what Paul says to Timothy. He doesn't say fight it. He doesn't say stand up and see if, how strong you are by resisting this temptation. In 2 Timothy 2.22, he says, flee youthful passions. See, Paul's solution is don't try and stand up to this stuff. Don't sort of flirt with it and see if it maybe sucks you in. Get rid of it. Flee it. Run. Run like crazy. The fourth thing is a focus on purity. Colossians 3 verse 2, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. So a commitment to, to pursue personal righteousness is essential. Not just removing sin, but filling the void with something pure. You see, if you just take something out of your life, there's a hole. And Satan is very happy to fill it with something evil. But the Bible says that you, if you focus your eyes, when we talked about turning our eyes to Jesus, if you focus on Christ, the things of earth grow strangely dim. The Bible says, <coughs> Philippians 4 verse 8 says this, Paul's instructions, listen to what he says. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honourable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence or anything worthy of praise, think about these things. You cannot flirt in your mind with it and, and get away with it forever. It will suck you back in. You have to make a clean break and fill your mind with the things of God. Do I hear an amen to that? It, what you put, it's garbage in, garbage out. If you put garbage into yourself, then garbage is going to come out. But if you put purity into yourself, then purity will come out. What you focus on determines where you go. When you turn your eyes on Jesus... The other things fade away, but it is essential that you turn your eyes upon him. A commitment to reformation is a commitment to filling our minds and our hearts with the things of God and avoiding the things of sin. And of course, five is to get closer to God. Romans 12 verse 2, Do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It doesn't say, Pentecostals think it's removing of your mind. So you, you remove your mind and do really weird, radical things. That's not true. You're not asked to remove your mind. You're asked to renew it. How do you renew your mind? You think about such things. You think about the pure things. You put good things into your mind and your mind gets renewed. So we need to put a guard on our eyes, as Job talks about it. What we watch on TV, what we see on the internet, the people we hang out with, we need to put a guard there to protect us so the, the only thing coming in is purity. <coughs> I'm calling on you this New Year's, New Year's Day to make it a Reformation Day. It requires a renewing of your mind. Nothing good comes without a price and Jesus paid the ultimate price for us. We should be willing to pay the price to see Reformation in our lives. So let me ask you once again, are you willing to sink some ships today? Because I believe God is calling us to radical purity. He's calling us in 2023. We can sit around every year till the cows come home saying we want to see revival. 
we want to see reformation billy sunday the great preacher was once asked how does how do you start revival he drew a circle on the ground in chalk he stood in it and he said you pray lord send revival and start in this circle because it's it's about us folks we need to make sure that we are pure before the lord if we're going to see revival in our nation we need to make sure that we are focused on the things of god if we are going to see true reformation in our lives and in our homes and in our towns and in our nation would you bow your head Lord, right now, we know that you're speaking to us at the start of the new year, 2023. You're speaking to our hearts. And I believe that you're calling us to make a radical commitment to faith. A radical commitment to change our lives. A radical commitment to say no to evil and yes to the things of God. Lord, speak to our hearts, we pray. I want you to take a few moments here and just search your heart. The Bible says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there be any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So I'm going to ask you to search your heart right now. Look at the last year. What is it that has controlled you? What is it that has tempted you, that has caused you to sin? Because it's time to cut that stuff out and to focus on Him. Just let the Spirit of God speak to your heart. What is it? With that in mind, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. I want us all to pray this. Together, we're going to clean this stuff out. And we're going to start afresh in 2023. Together we're going to radically move away from sin and move towards purity. Together we're going to seek reformation, true reformation in our lives and in our nation. So with whatever it is that's been holding you back, that is in your mind right now, whatever the Holy Spirit has enlightened upon your heart, I want you to pray this prayer with me and I want you to mean it. Don't Just don't mouth it, mean it. Say, Lord Jesus, I'm sorry for this sin. Right now I repent of the sin and I promise you that I will keep my eyes fixed on you. I commit to I covenant to not do this sin again. Lord, fill me with your spirit and cause a reformation to happen in my life. Now let go of that sin. Let it drop away. Let's stand together as we finish up.